When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is this stock breakout a fake out? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. We're going to kick the week off with two guests to help make sense of what's going on. Dave Floyd, founder of the Aspen Trading Group, and Michael Kuba, founder of Element Macro Research and an analyst here at Real Vision. Hi, gentlemen. Hey, good afternoon, Maggie. Good afternoon, Mike. Hey, Dave. Hey, Maggie. Nice to see you all. It's great to have both of you, especially on a Monday. I love setting up the week like this. So, uh, I'll tell everyone as a reminder, if you have questions for Mike or Dave, you can put them in the live chat on our platform, on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. And otherwise, you won't be able to ask on YouTube. And you can tweet us at Real Vision. Uh, Mike, I, I'd like to start with you. We asked that question, you know, is it, it, does this seem like stocks are breaking out or is it a fake out? Because it's what's on everyone's mind. And before we even got underway, we had Chris say very simply, bear market over. I mean, this is what everyone wants to know because we've got burned so many times before. You know, what are you thinking about? How are you viewing the action we've seen? Yeah, so I think the best way to describe it is, you know, I came into this year actually quite negative. Uh, I actually did a segment in our don't wait until January um, piece and talked about sort of the leading indicators and sort of the cyclical recession we could be looking at. And I have to say, I feel like I've been kicked in the teeth um, to start the year, um, but I've actually short of, sort of shifted a bit and you know, I can tell you kind of why. And, and really it's sort of been this this transition that we started to see where the indices themselves seem like they've been struggling with the 200-day moving average or these trend lines that a lot of people are drawing. But if you look at the, the behavior beneath the surface, it seems like a lot of things are turning already. And so, you know, it's to me, I'm kind of like, all right, is this an actual turning point, as you mentioned, um, you know, a breakout or a fake out. Um, I think it's still a little too early to tell, but I will say that the action beneath the surface to me uh, seems very encouraging that, you know, the lows may have been behind us. That's so interesting. And we're totally going to rip apart those technicals uh, with Dave in just a little bit. And that's going to be really interesting because people are pointing that out. But um, do you feel like, so, so what are you basing that on? Do you feel like the economy, may, maybe they're going to get, the Fed's going to get that soft landing and we're not going to get that hard recession? Or is it just that so much of the bad news was already priced in or both? Yeah. So I think you're onto something with the both because, you know, one of the things that I wrote about in my newsletter as I sort of seem to be pivoting my my outlook a little bit 
was that everyone is caught up in sort of this hard landing versus soft landing. And to me, you know, that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to sort of rack our brains about where we're going to land. Um, our job as traders, at least me in particular, is to sort of figure out the path that we're gonna to take to get there. And so the way I put it is really, we could be looking and we have to remain open to the possibility, especially for the people who have been bearish, is this possibility of what they wanna call Goldilocks for the next say three, maybe even six months. Because I do think there is a lot to be said about the collapse in the leading indicators that we've seen, whether it's consumer sentiment. Um, I think it was the conference board came out today with a negative 1% uh, decline. So there's definitely a lot of those indicators that are pointing to a recession. Um, but, you know, I just sort of sit back and ask myself, you know, these leading indicators tend to be contrarian. And so when they hit these extremes, that's when you sort of want to be looking to the other side. So you, one of the things I wrote in my newsletter was, when is the best time that you want to be in risk assets? Is it, is it when the leading indicators are low and starting to rise or when they're high but starting to soften? And really what we're, that's what we're starting to see is a lot of these leading indicators seem to be bombed out to the downside. Mm. And consumer sentiment, Michigan survey came out last week that showed a surprising rebound. Even over in Europe with the ZEW um, economic sentiment index, that showed you know, a big rebound as well. So it does seem like there could be some of these I don't know if you want to call them green shoots. I hate that term. But, um, <laughs> Wait, I'm laughing because between green shoots and Goldilocks, like, you know, somewhere someone's shaking here and all this stuff. No, believe me. And the reason I, I raise this is because, you know, through the cycles that I've traded through and, you know, I, I talked with James during our don't wait until January episode that I tended to make the most amount of my money in those sort of big, powerful bear market moves late 2015, 2018, even COVID. But I also have been caught in staying too stubborn for too long. And so we do need to at least remain open. I mean, I, I hate those terms personally, yeah. but you can get burned if you stay too stubborn in one view. And so, you know, there still could be a possibility that we do hit this so-called hard landing, say, in the second half of this year. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I did notice, if you look at sort of the the different economic reports, right? So if you look at economic, at the uh, University of Mis Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey versus a CPI, typically those are pretty strongly correlated. And that makes sense because as people feel better, they're spending more in the economy, economic growth is strong, inflation is rising. Um, that hasn't been the case over the past, say, 18 months or so. We've seen a strong inverse correlation where a lot of the pain and fear that we've been hearing about seems to be primarily inflation driven. And you can look at the headlines, you know, on the way up, you know, the year over year prints, it's, you know, consumers feel the squeeze of rising inflation. And even though we're around the same levels as last October, now it's, you know, consumers feel the reprieve of easing inflation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is psychological. And so that's why I have to remain open to this Goldilocks scenario, because if we see inflation prints continue to soften, then could that fuel a bounce that we've seen in the sentiment surveys that, you know, maybe we made it through a so-called European energy crisis and a lot of these other fears that have been lurking out there. Yeah. It's so interesting. 
that you say that, Mike, and I think very honest. Um, many times it, in uh, our show, My Life in Four Trades, when we're talking about you know the worst trades, the one thing people say, and it's been an Achilles heel for people, is when they've made their money in bear markets, they're always kind of married to bear markets. Like it's hard to get out of that. Harry Melandry talked about that. You can kind of lock in and always be looking for that and, and develop a bias. So I, I think it's so interesting that you say that. And I think I think you said beware the perma bears, right? Um, and so it is something you have to guard against. A very interesting comment. George is as you're as you're talking, George is talking in the chat and saying the same thing. He thinks we're in a recession now. Um, and there are three things, sentiment, liquidity, and fundamentals. I like this, George. Two of the three are in bad shape. What do you look at? You're also talking about level and trend. Mm -hmm. So I like to look at four different categories and they're very close to what George is saying there. And it's um, sentiment, liquidity, technicals, and um, valuation. So, you know, if we look at those, you know, we basically have kind of bombed out sentiment and i know there's a lot of back and forth out there in terms of you know people are getting excited about a fed pivot and this and that but if you look at just purely the data right we have heavy net short positioning in speculators both in the s p 500 and the russell 2000 you have extremely elevated put call ratios that have begun to ease a bit but those were i believe at record setting highs in terms of the puts versus the calls uh, you have the Michigan sentiment that's been bombed out, but starting to rebound. And so I always like to look at things in terms of level and trend. You know, something that's high and rising is not the same as something that's high and falling. And same thing, um, you know, low and falling or low and rising. So, you know, I look at sentiment and from the sentiment perspective, I would argue it's mixed to slightly supportive. Um, if you look at liquidity, liquidity, a lot of people look at, say, the Fed's balance sheet or Fed funds rate. And that there's some validity to that. And I have some of those basic economic indicators in there as well. But I also look at market-based things. So you look at inflation expectations through the market pricing, and those have been easing. You look at what the dollar index has done. You look at what, uh, you know, two-year yields sort of stalling out. And so if you look at some of those things, again, whether or not the market's getting ahead of a Fed pivot, I think is certainly a valid debate. Mm. But... To argue that we haven't sort of eased off of the most extreme levels of tightening liquidity, again, it comes back to sort of that rate of change or levels and and uh, trends. Yeah. So, um, and then valuation valuations are kind of right in line if you think about it with what we've seen since over the last ten or so years. Um, you know, one of the charts I love to look at is sort of the real 10-year yield versus the S&P 500 PE and also the S&P 500 forward PE. And really, we're just barely above the lows that we saw in each of the lows over, say, since like early 2015. Um, and so, you know, I, I just look at, again, valuation is, yes, in the grand scheme of things, you can argue that we're still insanely overvalued versus 1970s levels or whatever it might be but you know if we step back and think about it they're not egregious if you look at recent history um and then technicals i mean technicals is the last sort of thing and I, i'm really excited to hear what dave has to say because you know from from my work i like i said a lot of the action beneath the surface seems like things are starting to turn mm. and it feels to me even though you know, a lot of the commentary out there is that people are getting ahead of themselves with sort of the Fed pivot. 
it feels to me that a lot of people are still fighting this move. And so if you finally see that breakout in the indices, which is what we are starting to see in a lot of the individual equities and sectors, this sort of Goldilocks or whatever you want to call it could actually have some legs for a few months. I, I can see that you don't want to call that. We're going to think of a name, Mike. We're going to think of a <laughs> yeah. name. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, you set us up perfectly to sort of to hand off to Dave. If I'm going to say, if I, I have a feeling we're going to get some questions about that chart, so we'll try to post it someplace. That that's really interesting. And if you have more questions around that or questions for Mike, and we didn't get a chance to get to them because we're going to have to let him go, um, you can always send them in to us. Mike and the team do a great show called We Got the Message. Um, if you subscribe, where you can send it in and they will break it down for you and explain something that you either saw in one of the shows, something someone said, or something about a chart that you're interested in, you want to understand the way it works. It's been so helpful for me. So I encourage you to check that out. You can hit the QR code if you want to find out more about it. Mike, thank you so much for queuing us up for the week, especially because I know you're not feeling well. So you're a trooper <laughs> for, for coming on. We appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast, Maggie. All right. Go get some tea. Rest up. <laughs> thank you. All right, Dave. Um, Mike's probably going to hang around in the back, I know, because we he wants to listen to what you have to say. So let's start with the broader, um, the broader market, and and he's just saying he's feeling like things are turning under the surface. What are you seeing from a technical point of view when it comes from the S uh, to the S and P five hundred? Yeah, thanks for having me, Maggie. Uh, I think Mike did a great job kind of framing everything from a macro standpoint. I think he made a lot of really good points in terms of what people's expectations are, what he's seeing under the surface. Those are things that I don't normally look at because I'm so broad-based and you know, narrow, but broad-based in terms of what I'm looking at, you know, S&Ps, 10-year notes, you know, currencies. So the fact that he brought up that, you know, individual names are percolating to the top, you know, that's obviously quite encouraging. You know, um, I can pull up a chart right here because I sometimes think visually that's the best thing to do. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, now, are we going to, what are we going to look at? Is the S&P 500? Yeah, yeah we're going to start with the S&P 500. And, you know, I have the the trend lines that everybody's talking about in here. And it's not, and let me know if everybody can see that, okay, back on the HQ there. Yeah, we can. So uh, these trend lines are drawn in, not because it's part of my analysis process. I, I don't necessarily rely on those, but, you know, when you're, you know, participating in a market, you you are you need to be aware of what other people are looking at. And it's not to say that I don't think trend lines have some value, but I'm not usually making my decisions on it. But these trend lines go a, a, a little ways back. Uh, in fact, they all go all the way back to peak, as you can imagine. And I've drawn in two of them. And we haven't, we've cleared one. Uh, we haven't quite cleared the other one. So I know what everybody's looking at. They're looking for that break higher. And you know, we may get that, we, we absolutely may. What I find encouraging about this is I'm gonna go back to the daily chart, is I rely upon something a little bit more objective. I wanna know what, where a lot of price action has taken place 
over a period of time because that lets me know that that's going to be a sticky area, an area of it that's going to act as an inflection point. And based on the way I read this market, it's encouraging that we're above the 4,005 level, which is denoted here on my chart by an orange dotted line. And that's representing a fairly long look back period where a lot of trades have taken place. Therefore, prices are above it that should be bullish, prices are below it should be bearish. And that's oversimplifying it, but on some level, there's an element of truth to that. So just based on that alone, you'd have to lean towards the bullish side right now until proven otherwise. I try to, you know, I try to approach it really simple. Support is support until proven otherwise, and the same thing for resistance. Well, we're now above that what was a resistance level at 4,005. If we can hold that, it seems reasonable to move higher. However, this market's been very choppy on a day-to-day -day basis. We get a big move up on Friday, which was you know, not unusual, but you know, a little unusual relative to the other moves we've had. So I, I don't think we've escaped a chop zone yet because these things don't normally resolve themselves elegantly. It's usually a bloodbath and a lot of people get you know, beat up and bruised before we actually finally do make the move, be it up or down. So long-winded answer, but hopefully comprehensive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that is that that capitulation people are always looking for? Because that's one of the things that worries people. So they see some of this action that looks encouraging, but then they don't feel that there was that blowout that was needed. Do we always have to see that? Yes and no. I mean, there doesn't have to be a capitulation in order, you know, for everybody to head to the exits because they think that's the worst. And then everybody comes in, you know, the quote unquote smart money comes in and buy and buys. We don't have to see that. Mm. I think, again, I'm going to kind of step outside my 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 area of expertise and maybe speak a little above my pay grade here. But I, I think people are still so disillusioned or so tempted by the easy money by the Fed which in all fairness worked for you know a decade plus that everybody's still chomping at the bit for the Fed to bring back the easy money train. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody's thinking about right now. They're not thinking constructively about is the economy in good shape? Are the technicals in good shape? Is, are you going to give me the free money or the easy money again? And I think that's a dangerous thing. Markets move in phases over time. You know, in the 70s, it was inflation and high commodity prices. And the last decade or so, it's just been the Fed you know, with the free free money, essentially. Yeah. Markets don't always go back to the same catalysts over a period of time. And I'm not saying that the Fed won't pivot and lower rates. That's not what I'm saying. I think it's dangerous to rely upon the same old catalysts that have driven price action from the, from the past. And again, I'm speaking above my pay grade there. Yeah. I don't really make my decisions based on that. That's just an observation for somebody who's been in the market for, you know, 20 odd years. Yeah, no, and you you are giving voice to what a lot of people we talk to, they may have different theses, but certainly as we turned from last year into this year, we heard repeatedly from the people we had on that what made you money in the last decade isn't going to work this time. Some of them don't know what will yet, but they, but they feel certain about that. So it is a common theme that's come up and you're not alone, Dave. I'm wondering about some of the, so we know, so the stocks rallied, some of the Technicals are looking constructed on the broader market. People mm -hmm. also kind of scratching their head because technology seems to be what's doing well. Not only technology, some some of the most beaten down names, which again makes people nervous. I know you're looking at two Tesla and Arc. You pulled up, I think. I did. Again, I don't normally trade these, but again, you know, you want to keep your your pulse. You want to keep your finger on what's happening in the market and. 
you know, some of these high-flying names are becoming high-flying again. Now, granted, Tesla's been taken down a notch or two, at, which is fairly obvious. But the last, you know, the price action over the last several days has actually been quite encouraging, as you can see here. Mm. Now, is this sustainable? I don't know. I don't trade Tesla. But purely from a technical standpoint, I, I say as long as we remain above 123.50, it's encouraging. You know, the, the way I normally use these support and resistance lines is that when you get above one, there's a gravitational pull to the next one higher or lower, depending on the scenario. So is it reasonable for Tesla to go up to 170? Sure. I mean, anything's possible if you get enough, you know, momentum behind the move. But this is a constructive move. You can't look at it any other way. It's, you know, you might make the argument that it's still overvalued and all this other stuff. But again, price is the final arbiter right now. You know, it's looking pretty bullish. And is it similar for ARC, especially because Kathy <laughs> uh, that fund owns a lot of Tesla? Yeah, they do. And, Tesla, you, know, you know, kudos to Kathy Wood for buying a lot of Tesla about a couple, three weeks ago, if, if I, my memory serves me correct. Um, maybe the overall position might be underwater, but whatever she added to has done well. Um, ARC, I don't see it quite the same way. Um, it's, you know, for me, yes, it's a productive move off the lows, but we've got a lot of overhead resistance here. And the 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 color of the line there is red and orange, and those are long, long look back periods. So those are going to be tough levels to get. It doesn't mean we won't. But again, use the old adage, resistance is resistance until proven otherwise. And of course, support is support until proven otherwise. So, you know, I, I can't be a, if I was trading ARC, you know, uh, I, I can't be a bull here. Might I test getting short into those levels? Yeah, absolutely. But I know where my stop loss is. It's fairly tight above those levels. Um, but after a run like that, it'd be, be unusual for them to just break through those levels and keep running. It's probably going to be a little bit of a back and forth when we get to those levels. Mm. Those levels curious. being, you can't see it, is 38.58 and um, 37.50. Great. Yeah, that is helpful. Uh, Want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about the dollar. Uh, yeah. This is, a, this is something that I feel like, I've also been hearing people ask a lot of questions. We get a lot of questions and a lot of people predicting uh, that we've seen peak dollar and we're in for a greenback decline. Is that what the charts are telling you? Well, they have been telling us that. We are at a big level down here, though. We're at uh, 101.74 in the dollar index is a really big level. So this is exactly what I'm doing with FX right now, which is basically nothing. Um, I don't want to try to play for a rebound in the dollar, and I don't want to try to play for a breakdown lower in the dollar because we're at this critical level. It's it's too much of a binary outcome right now. I'm either going to be right spectacularly or I'm going to be wrong spectacularly. So my approach right now is let's see what price does. Mm. If price holds here and rallies, I'll buy the pullback. If price sells off from here, I'll sell into the rally that happens afterward. I don't need to be the first person in on the trade because those are the people that take the arrows in the back. And I'm 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 not I'm I'm totally fine giving up a, a little bit of my upside or downside if I'm going short to kind of let the market tell me which way it wants to go. I'm not smart enough to know where the market's going to go, but I'm really good at latching my wagon to it once it gets going. And I'm using these levels right now as my my decision point. I think that's really important point to make because a lot of people think in order to profit for it, you've got to guess ahead. You've got to no. get ahead of the move, but you're saying no. That's my opinion. There's plenty of guys out there that I know and gals that are breakout traders and they do fantastic. Just know 
as a breakout trader, you're going to have to live the life of being wrong a lot more than you're right. And that doesn't mean that you don't you can't be a profitable trader as long as your average winner is you know bigger than your average loser. But what you really want to get your head around is breakout traders tend to have a much lower win-loss ratio. So you're going to be wrong seven out of 10 times. I don't know. That doesn't work for me mentally. That puts me in a really crappy place, even though some of the best hitters in baseball, you know, go three for 10. But in terms of when you're losing money seven times out of 10, mm -hmm. that wears on you. So I personally would rather let the market go in the direction it wants to go and then hitch my wagon accordingly. And like you said, yeah, I'm going to give up that initial big burst. And sometimes I might, it, prices may not even come back and allow me to get in. And that's frustrating. But again, that's the style of trading I've chosen to do. And it, it works for me. And people have to get really clear on how do you want to play that move? Do you want to play the breakout and, and kind of be the hero? Or do you want to wait and kind of tag along? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I I read something fantastic today uh, from Brent Donnelly, who does a lot in Forex as oh, well. Yeah. He's been on the show. He was sort of saying the same thing. I love the way he put it. You know, um, he's hiding in the long grass because <laughs> it's just, you know, the sense. Of, it's interesting that it's not clear which way it's going to go, because from a, just a sentiment point of view, you have so many people declaring that the, you know, dollar strength was over. So interesting to hear that many of you who follow the market closely just aren't sure where, which direction that break is going to come. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. As of right now, I mean, the easy answer is we're trending lower overall, you know, since October. So, you know, the easy answer is we'll probably continue to trend lower because that's what markets tend to do. They do tend to trend. But again, since I'm I have the dollar index at such a key level that that 101.74, I'm not, I'm just not willing to do it, you know. Um, but I would probably favor a break lower, but I'm not going to put money on it just yet. Mm. Uh, we, of course, when we're talking about the dollar, people always, uh, and, and in fact, we have uh, Roger saying, looking at the USD chart in terms of figuring out whether it looks good for commodities, and he's saying he thinks it does. Uh, Want to get your thoughts on gold? We had Jared Dillian on uh, last week on Friday, and he was very keen on gold. We're hearing a lot about it. That this was something that we talked about in the extended part of our Friday show. For those of you who were only with us for the first part, um, we were talking digging into gold a little bit in the second part. Let's have a listen to that clip. Interesting. What's happened since then? I mean, if you look at the chart. Like from 1600 to 1930, there has not been a pullback. Mm. There's been no pullbacks. Like, and a lot, and I even thought like there was some resistance at 1860. We're going to get a pullback at 1860. We'll get a correction. Never happened. It blew through 1860. Around 1900, we had some thir DeMarc 13. So we're going to get some, we're going to get a pullback there. Never happened. When I look at the price action intraday, sometimes gold will sell off five, six, seven bucks, and then it gets bought and it gets, it gets ripped up again. And it almost seems like 
the central bank of China has a giant VWAP program on gold and they're buying like hundreds of millions of ounces. It's like, it really, you know, from my experience, like just watching charts in stocks back from when I was a trader, like you could tell when there was an algo or a VWAP or something like that. Like, honest to God, there are no pullbacks in gold. Absolutely none. So my inclination here is to just sit back and let this happen, right? Like, it, we've blown through all this resistance. The next resistance is at basically at 2060 at the all-time highs. And it, it acts great. Even today, it, today it, at one point, it was down about 8 bucks, And it pre finished pretty close to unch. So... So do you like this from, from that technical perspective or are there fundamental reasons as well? Well, I mean, there's always fundamental reasons with gold, but it's all the, you know, nonsense gold bug stuff. Well, you know? Yeah, like why, why is it different now? Because the, the, what, what we used to hear all the time is like the, the, all the things line up and gold should do well, but it just doesn't. Yeah, I know, but somebody's buying it. And that full show is available on the platform. Just scan the QR code and sign up. Uh, so Dave would love to hear your thoughts on gold. Well, as you can imagine, it's the mirror opposite of what we just saw in the dollar index. Um, not a great surprise. The I'm using GLD. Again, I don't normally trade gold, so I don't have a futures feed for gold, but the ETF is a fairly good proxy. And you'll recall on the dollar index, we had big support at, uh, I think it was 31.74, or sorry, 101.74. Um, in terms of GLD, we've got big resistance at 179.89. So again, they trade inversely by and large. So yeah, does gold look good? Yeah, hell yeah, it does. It's had a, a great rally off the November lows, but it's got to get through this 179.68 area. And get through that and hold, yeah, there's probably a lot more upside to go, but it too is at an inflection point. Markets don't normally go through these big levels without a period of a lot of back and forth. You know, everybody's waiting anxiously for that break. Um, the people that were in long before now have the luxury of kind of seeing, well, let's see what it does here. But those that are looking to establish new positions here, this is tricky because you know it's becomes a very binary outcome and usually you know you're winning your risk and your reward are evens it's just doesn't make sense so unless you're already long gold or if you're looking to go short gold it's not the level to be doing that from let's mm -hmm. see what the market does or let's see what the market tells us so interesting uh we've had a lot of interesting gold by the way and a lot of people telling us it's one of their most convicted moves we're going to dig into that um on our uh, looking for the upside series I'm going to sit down with Rick Rule actually tomorrow, and that'll be coming out in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that if you are interested in gold. Last thing I want to finish with, with a little bit of time we have left, Dave, is the VIX. This sure. is really interesting. A lot of people have been looking at this. A lot of people wondering what's going on. Um, so what, what do you see here? This is a, vol this is a volatility index, uh, which is also kind of colloquially known as the fear, you know, the fear index, kind of measures sentiment in, in a way. What are you seeing here? Well, I mean, I look at the VIX every day because I trade S&P futures just about every day. So the if you're not looking at the VIX, and I look at VIX futures, so they're going to be slightly different in terms of the pricing, but you know they track just, just like the VIX index does. So if you're not looking at the VIX and you're trying to trade S&Ps, you're leaving out a, a, a key piece to, to your trading. Um, what people don't, what people need to understand about the VIX is that it is a mean reverting um, in, instrument. I mean, yes, it does trend, but then it goes 
has these nasty spikes higher, and then it grinds lower, and then has nasty spikes higher. And typically, when you get into the teens, and it's not quite in the teens yet, but it's dipping in there, and the VIX index itself is already in the teens, you know, the tendency is for it to move back higher. And of course, it trades inversely to the S&P 500, so hence why they call it the fear indicator. If the VIX is rallying, the S&Ps is, uh, you know, the S&Ps are going to be selling off. The correlation's pretty darn tight. So again, I'm not going to get in the way of it right now. The VIX is trending lower, but I'm very aware that as we get into the teens, that there's a tendency at some point. Now that could be at 18, it could be at 15, it could be at 16, whatever. Um, there is a tendency for you know the market to throw everybody a curveball and throw it to them and throw it at them really quick and catch everybody offside. But right now, looks like we're heading lower. If we get below 2051, which is the level I have. Um, then we're going lower, and that means the S&Ps are going higher. So it's so interesting, Dave, if, if if I think about all of the different asset classes we just walked through and sort of pair it together with what Mike was saying, uh, my takeaway from this conversation is that we're, we're kind of at this point where it's almost like a coiled spring. A lot of these markets look like they might break out, so we can't answer the question we started with the show with, is it a breakout or fake out? It's not clear. They Some of these markets could go either way um, if they're able to punch through this where they seem to be kind of consolidating. So you need to have a little patience and wait and maybe see what the market tells you rather than try to be a hero and get in front of that train, but be very open-minded. And to Mike's point, don't lock into a narrative. You want to kind of watch the market closely and see what it's telling you in terms of price action before you head and go ahead and make a move, but you better be pretty nimble because it could, it might come soon. Does that sound about right? It does. And, you know, there's a, there's a class of investor slash trader out there that has a very strong opinion and they will ride that opinion into whatever the, you know, however it plays out. And that's totally fine. Um, I'm on the other side. I, I'm a little bit more nimble. I, I'm not willing to play that game, but there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe you just play it with smaller position sizes in case you're on the wrong side of it. You know, you keep your risk uh, parameters within check. But I think that is a good way to kind of summarize it. I think it is a coiled spring in terms of the way I view it, because I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other as to where the economy is going. And I don't even have a strong opinion on where it's going technically. It's one of the things that makes it easy for me to come in each day. I'm not living by my opinion. I'm living by what the market's doing. And that just makes it a little bit easier. There's a lot less friction doing it that way. Let the market take you along for the ride rather than you trying to impose your will on it. Yeah, and stay open-minded. That seems to be the message from everybody right now. Stay open-minded. Uh, David, it was so great to see you and catch up with you. Thank you so much. Great day to have you on when these technicals matter so much. Thanks a lot, Maggie. I really do appreciate it. Have a great week. Yeah, same to you. And thanks to all of you for the great questions and feedback. Andreas, we'll be here tomorrow with Eric Johnson. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.